Hello, and welcome to the Anxiety Rx podcast, a show created by an anxiety specialist and neuroscientist, me, that offers unique, practical, and actionable advice to help you understand what anxiety truly is and exactly what you can do to empower yourself to resolve it. I'm your host, Dr. Russell Kennedy, an MD who suffered with crippling anxiety for 30-plus years, and traditional therapy from psychiatrists and psychologists really didn't help me feel better. And I also didn't like being on psych meds. In 2013, after burning out and leaving medical practice, I came to the conclusion that if I was ever going to heal my anxiety, I would have to do it myself. And that's exactly what I did, drawing from experiences with psychedelics and holistic healing and combining those modalities with my scientific academic background in medicine, neuroscience, and developmental psychology. Here on the Anxiety Arcs podcast, I offer a distinctly non-traditional and non-medical approach to understanding and healing anxiety. So despite the fact I'm trained as a physician, in no way is what I say and suggest to be construed as medical advice because none of the ways I use to resolve anxiety has anything to do with traditional allopathic medicine. From my own healing, I've created a distinctly non-traditional understanding and approach that helps thousands of people from all over the world understand and relieve their chronic anxiety. So if you're ready, let's get into today's episode. Today's episode of the Anxiety Rx podcast is about orienting. Now, I'm orienting to a bunch of different things right now because I'm off to Portland and I just came back from Kelowna, so I'm doing a bunch of trainings, so my brain is a little bit not oriented. And what I like to do is bring myself into the present moment, and how we do that is we orient. And you may have seen things on social media like five things you can see, two things you can smell, four things you can touch, all these sort of things. Your senses bring you into the present moment. And when you're in trauma... You either live in the trauma of your past, the past pain, or if you're a warrior like me, you live in the projections of your future. So you're in the past pain or the projected worries of your future, and neither of those places are in the present moment. They're neither, no, they're not safe. So it's learning that we can be safe in the present moment, and the only place we heal is actually the present moment. We don't heal in our future projections, in our future worries. We don't heal in our past traumas. We have to bring ourselves into the present moment, and that creates a space where we can actually start changing those neural pathways, those body programs that have made us worry and fear. And Orientation is one of those things they talk about in a lot of different somatic therapies. So it's bringing yourself into the present moment using your senses. So again, five things you can see, that sort of thing. And when you bring yourself into the present moment, you can actually slow down. Your breath slows down. It creates this fertile ground for discovery of yourself, really. It creates this place where you can feel safe in that moment, because you can't feel safe in your past trauma, of course, and you can't feel safe in your future projections of your worries, because who feels safe in worry? Nobody does. So orientation is one of those things where we bring ourselves into the present moment, and there's something during the training that they said quite a bit, which is orient to pleasure. I think so often, those of us who had trauma backgrounds, when we grew up with trauma, 
didn't see that option of orienting to pleasure. Because when you're in survival mode, you're in survival brain, you're in survival physiology, you're in survival body, you don't see pleasure. You might see it every once in a while, but in general, you kind of orient your default state is to this trauma, this to survival, this to protection. So there's two kind of orientation states, at least two, but the two that I talk about mostly are survival orientation, which is what happens when you grow up with trauma and you don't feel safe. You have an alcoholic parent or you have a parent who's narcissistic or a parent who abuses you or abandons you or neglects you or rejects you. That creates this orientation in the child and the child's nervous system to look for danger, to orient to danger, to default when we're not thinking about it into this survival protective state. Now, the opposite of that is a state of growth, a state of openness, a state of looking outside of ourselves, being able to connect to other people, being able to connect to the world, being able to feel your feet on the ground, to, to connect with the ground. That's an orientation state that will provide you with some peace, with some rest. But the problem is, when we grow up with trauma, that we don't have this default state of orienting to comfort, orienting to rest. We have a state where we orient to negativity. We orient to potential danger. And because imagination is the price we pay for our anxiety, or anxiety is the price we pay for our imagination, the more we can think about things, the more we can keep ourselves in that survival state. So what I want to talk about today in this short podcast, because I have to go up to Portland today, but I wanted to keep consistent, is can you orient to pleasure? Can you orient to safety? Rather than this unconscious, you're not aware of this, but we automatically are always looking for threat. We're always keeping ourselves in this state of protection, this orientation state of protection or defense, as opposed to looking out into the world, looking out into ourselves in a way that would allow us to expand, to be more connected, to be more social, to just be more interactive with other people in the present moment. And I think that's one of the reasons why we do these orientation exercises where we say, you know, five things you can see, four things you can touch, that kind of thing, because that brings you into the present moment. Touch is one of the most effective ways of bringing you into the present moment. As soon as you use touch, and specifically if you use your hands and your face to touch, and this is why I think tapping is helpful for people, as soon as you touch your hands to your face, the real estate in your brain for hands and face is the greatest. So if we look at the motor strip, the sensory strip in the brain, the areas of that motor strip and sensory strip that are devoted to your hands and your face are the biggest. So when you touch your hands with your face, or touch your face with your hands, sorry, you know, or touch your face with your hands, that would be another way of doing it, I guess, you automatically engage this huge part of our sensory and motor cortex that brings you into the present moment. And once you bring in the present moment, then you can start to feel 
And even if you feel the bad stuff, it's still kind of okay because there is this sense of grounding behind you. There is this sense of growth, this ability to stay present with the pain. Because otherwise, the pain just ping-pongs. It goes into your worries, and then it goes into your past trauma. And you may not be aware of this. It goes into your worries again, and then in your past trauma. And it keeps you suspended in this kind of default state where you orient to negativity, you orient to threat. Because as a child, you needed to do that, or you perceived you needed to do that. You perceived that you needed to orient to threat because you never knew when the threat was coming. So what we do in somatic therapies, and to some other therapies as well, in, uh, internal family systems does this as well, is grounds you in the present moment. Because once we're grounded in the present moment, we can pay attention to our breath. We can pay attention to what's happening around us and pull ourselves out of that default state where we just sort of daydream ourselves into chronically worrying without even knowing that we're doing it. It's just an automatic default state. So to bring yourself out of a default state, you develop an intention. So my intention for you is to tell yourself, can I orient to pleasure? Can I orient to comfort? Rather than this default state that happens in a lot of us worriers where we don't even, we're not even aware of it but we're always focused on the negative. We're always focused on the next threat. Even though we're not consciously thinking of the next threat, it's just the way our nervous system grew up to look for threat. Even though that threat was there maybe one out of 25 times, we still, because we have this brain with a fear bias, our brains are there to protect us and make us pass on our genes more than, it is, more than they are to make us happy. So that survival state is so wired into us that if we have trauma as children, that survival state just wires right into us. And it creates this default setting in us that makes us unconsciously, unwittingly, chronically, constantly looking for threat. And this is why we can't sleep well. We don't eat properly. You know, our guts go offline. There's all these things that happen because we have this underlying propensity to focus on threat. Now, I'm not saying that we don't feel good sometimes. And that is a welcome respite. But I'm saying for those of us who grew up in trauma and those of us who are worriers, 90% of our time is, is spent in threat orientation, even if we're not aware of it. And 10% of our time is spent, for sake of argument, in this state of comfort and peace and rest. Whereas if you grow up with an attached, attuned parent, you probably it's the reverse. Probably 90% of the time, you just have this default state that life is safe, as Einstein said, is, is the world a safe place or not? And you feel that the world is a safe place. So you don't have to develop this sense of, I've got to be on guard all the time. I have to be hypervigilant. If you grow up with an attached, attuned parent who can kind of metabolize the trauma as it happens when we're younger, because we all have trauma. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about this just yesterday, actually. And uh, he says, well, doesn't everybody have trauma? And I said, yeah, everybody has trauma. There's no, there's no, there's no human life without trauma. Birth is traumatic. There's, there's no life without trauma. Now, the difference between those who grow up with mental dysregulation and those who seem to be able to handle trauma is usually an attuned, attached parent. Because if we have an attuned, attached parent, they metabolize that trauma when it happens. 
So if a family member dies or a pet dies or whatever, and your parent takes you under, under their arm and says, look, this is part of life. This is what happens. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel grief. It's okay to feel lonely. It's okay to miss them. You know, do you want to talk about this? And maybe the child does and maybe they don't. But the parent's there. But so many of us, because the parents, our parents had their own shit to deal with, and often they had the same shit that we have to deal with. So they have a blind spot to it just as we do. So these, these programs get handed down from parent to child, the parent to child, the child to parent. It just keeps going. So how do we change that automatic default setting where we orient to danger or orient to threat to orient to pleasure? Well, it happens slowly. But it happens first with intention because intention is what brings us out of default. We look at the default mode network in the brain, the neuroscientific discovery of that the, what the brain is doing when we're not actively doing a specific task. It requires an intention. As soon as we pull ourselves into an intention, we move out of that default mode. And that default mode has been shown in, in a number of studies to potentially be this place of negativity. There's a place called the posterior cingulate cortex, which they think may hold our own self-referential shame, blame, abandonment, judgment, the inner critic, the stuff that we talk about. Now, this posterior cingulate cortex is part of this default mode network, and I'll probably do a whole, a whole podcast on that. But it's just important to understand that when your brain isn't doing anything, it will probably orient to threat. And I think that's what happens to us. And then it just becomes so part of our ingrained experience of life that we don't even see it anymore. It's like a fish in water. We don't even see what we're in anymore. So what I'm saying is create the intention to orient to pleasure. Orient to you know picking up some music. Put it on your head. Orient to it. Like really listen to it. Um, touch. Put, put your hand over that place of alarm in your body and really orient to that touch. Really deeply go into the sensation of it. Does it feel hot? Does it feel cold? Is it a strong pressure? Is it a weak, is it a weak pressure? Really orient to things that are pleasurable. Orient to your breath. Orient to connection with your spouse, with your kids. Really feel that. Really make the intention that I am going to orient to pleasure. I am going to orient to comfort. Now, the last thing before I end today is there's, there's five senses, you know, sight, smell, touch, taste, hearing. But there's a sixth sense too. And there's this ethereal sort of consciousness. And this is where Dr. Kennedy gets a little woo. Not too woo, but a little woo. But I think the other sense to orient to is this sixth sense of faith. Having faith in the world. Because as children of trauma, we lose faith in the world. We lose that sense of faith that the, the world is a safe place. And if we can regain that sense of faith, and I'm not saying religious faith, uh, religious faith, although religious faith has something to do with it, but just faith that the world is a safe place. You've made it to this point in your life. You're still safe, despite the fact that you've thought that you've been dying of a number of things. Your plane's going to go down. Your dentist is going to drill into the back of your brain, whatever it is, whatever it is. So try and develop the intention that you are going to orient, pay attention to pleasure, comfort, connection. Make that intention every day. 
especially to yourself. That one podcast I did a few weeks ago about in your eyes, doing that every morning, orient to the pleasure of connecting with that child in you. Orient to pleasure and pay attention to pleasure. Because so often, those of us with trauma, we have a pleasurable experience and it's like, yeah, 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 that was good, all right, well, whatever. But we have a negative experience, especially one we made up in our head, and we pay so much attention to this potential negative experience that's never going to happen. Never going to happen. So we can shift our attention, but because this has been a default state, because the needle has been set over to threat for so long, it's going to take a while, but just making that intention every day to orient to pleasure, orient to comfort, focus on those things, really allow yourself to feel those things so that you move out of that automatic default state of not being comfortable. And start being aware of that default state that you're not comfortable. Start being really aware that you're in this protective state all the time and say, can I move to growth? Can I move to a place of growth where I am connecting to pleasure, where I'm orienting to pleasure? I am looking at things that bring me pleasure. I'm listening to things that give me pleasure. I'm smelling things like an essential oil that gives me pleasure. Touch that gives me pleasure. I am focusing on pleasure because that will start shifting the needle over. So you don't start living in this soup of constantly looking for the negative because that will happen to you if you have anxiety, if you grew up with trauma. It's just an automatic way your nervous system wires. And I want to be able to start rewiring your nervous system. And one of the ways I do that is I create this sense that you can actually orient to comfort, orient to pleasure, orient to what feels good for you and make that a practice that you do more and more and more of. And one of the tenets of neuroscience is the more you focus on something, the more of that something you will get. So if the more you focus on orienting to pleasure, the more you will start seeing pleasurable things in your world more and more and more. And that will bring your anxiety down. That will bring your alarm down and generally allow you to live a much happier life. So orient to pleasure, orient to comfort. And I'll see you next time. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. And if the Anxiety Rx podcast resonates with you, consider getting my book, also coincidentally called Anxiety Rx. Or you can follow me on any of the social media platforms at The Anxiety MD or my website, www.theanxietymd.com. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you the next time on the Anxiety Rx podcast. <laughs>